Hello and welcome to episode 247 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. I'm a coach and this podcast is all about self-development and helping you to live a happier and more fulfilling life. And each week we hear from some of the most inspirational people in the world to help inspire you to make a positive change in your life. And this is the official last episode of the year, 2021, done, in the can, 2022, incoming, loading. (laughs) And I can't believe that the year's gone so quick, so many amazing conversations, so many amazing learnings on a personal level, like, wow, like, you know, it's really been a a game-changing year for me in terms of my personal life, my business, and the podcast, and the way that I just show up in general. Um, So for this episode, in a very traditional fashion, I wanted to do a bit of a reflection on the year. Uh, summary of 2021 biggest learnings type episode Uh, so I got my friend and uh, my coach Sachin who I've been working with for the past 18 months to sit down and kind of interview me and flip the questions onto me for a change and talk about some of the biggest learnings that I've made over the past 12 months what's really shifted for me Um, and we also had a load of fun like there's a lot of stuff in this episode that you don't often hear me talking about like some of the content I I consume like music and tv shows uh, talking a bit about skateboarding um but there's a ton of ton of like personal learnings in there and honestly like i said this year has been incredible for me and i'm really happy to just share as much of that with you guys in this episode so on this episode we discussed the biggest creative change that i've experienced in the past 12 months why it's not good to be selfish with your ideas and enthusiasm for other people's work and most importantly what skateboarding has taught me about life (laughs) and there's much much more so the aim of this podcast is to inspire so if you like what you hear in this episode be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love but right now let's jump straight in and hear from me and Sachin all right um I haven't done one of these in a while Alex hey you know I haven't I haven't done one of these um in person sit down in yeah there. yeah um i don't know what we're gonna call this but we don't need to come up with that right now <laughs> hey, we call it whatever we want that's <laughs> <laughs> how so, so we roll <laughs> yeah man um all right so let's just start off with um what has been the biggest change you've had over the last okay since the since january this year what's been the biggest change in your life and and let me let me be more specific created change oh i like that created change um mate you're pre-warn me with that stuff (laughs) oh there was you in the car coming up with that big talk like yeah yeah, i don't need to (laughs) yeah i say that and then i'm just gonna absolutely freestyle my answer while i put on some science any um Biggest creative change for me since January has been a change in focus. Oh, these 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 things are well high, innit? Oh, so you press the button and you can. Okay. Oh, there we go. That's better. I've got this this a posture right chair. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, you got to have the thing level with a desk. <laughs> that's 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 the right posture to have. Anyway, so the biggest biggest creative change for me since January is change of focus, man. Change of energy, like where where I've been putting my focus on things in my life has drastically changed because I realized that (laughs) so basically when it came to my coaching business I realized I was putting loads of energy into stuff that I thought was going to help grow my business like creating content podcasting all the stuff that I've been doing for years and years and years and then I was getting frustrated with the results I was getting in my business because they weren't what I wanted them to be but then I realized like well, I'm not putting the focus and the energy into the right areas of the business. I'm putting it into the the face value stuff, the surface stuff, like 
giving people content, which I love doing. I love creating content. I love recording podcasts. I love making stupid videos for TikTok and Instagram and sharing quotes. And I love it. Like I'm always going to do it. It's like, I just know that. But fundamentally when it comes to coaching and the, the work that, and the business that we're in is a relationship game, right? If you're not, if you're not having conversations with people, you're not building relationships with people, you're not going to go any further than, than that if you're not doing it. So it's simple as that. So I just had to re- realign my focus as to like, okay, what, what is it that I actually want to create in my life? First and foremost, a coaching business. Why do I want to create a coaching business? Because I love to help people first and foremost. I feel like I can help a lot of people. And then secondly, I want to have travel as a big part of my life. I want to have the freedom to work from wherever I want to work so I can travel and I can and do everything else that I want to do whilst I work. So if I wasn't going out there and putting the focus in creating that lifestyle for myself, what the bloody hell was I doing with my time? <laughs> so I realized that that's, that's what needed to change. And that was something I needed to create. I needed to create a focus. And I did that by, I took a, I think it was a three month break from my podcast. I've never taken a break from my podcast, before. I think I've missed like two Thursdays in four years since starting my podcast and I decided that with the help of our friend here, he helped me realize that I needed to take a break and that it was justified and that if I did take a break like it didn't mean that people were going to stop listening to my podcast and whatever because there were still 200 plus episodes of people to listen to um so I took a break from that and in that space that I gave myself I allowed myself to just align my focus to what it is that I wanted to create with my life and that's what happened sick you know when I say created change, I think like there's there's created change that's God with a small G, mm-hmm. and then there's like change that's forced on you, God with a big G, and um, yeah, I think a lot of focus, a lot of focus is placed on changes happening all the time. Is it created change or is it you know outside of you change? I like to draw that distinction. And if you're if if you want to chime in, we would love to hear what you think. What's your created change? Yeah, what's your version of it? Because, like, to me, created change is, like, making a conscious decision about something that you want to change and then changing it by doing the thing that you need to do in order for it to change. It's like it's like sitting at home and being like, oh, I want to have a, a, a more physically fit body but not going to the gym or not going for walks or not doing yoga or not doing something that's going to physically benefit your body. Like you have to do the thing that's actually going to help create the thing that you want to create. Mm. If you're not consciously doing it, then you're just going to default into how you've been living like all this time. Your your future is just going to default to that. Mm. The default future versus the created future. Sounds quite familiar to me. Where'd you pick that one up (laughs) from, Chief? I don't know. I think I read it somewhere. (laughs) I thought you were going to say I made it up. (laughs) No, give credit where it's due. You know, um, there's there's something else I want to talk to you about because uh, at at one point in time, sorry, hold on. And I take my jacket off as well. Yeah, you're, you're wearing you're wearing daily paper quite a lot. What is this? You don't know about daily paper. I don't know shit about anything, mate. A daily paper jacket on top of that Mortal Kombat T-shirt will pop right. They're doing a fifty percent <laughs> sale right now. Shout out my guys, Daily Paper. Oh wow! Do, yeah, do you know them personally? Uh, no, but my best mate does. Um, they're a sick brand from Amsterdam. They're actually getting really big. Hmm. I've no, I've known about them for like last five six years maybe. Like I've met them when I've been in Amsterdam with my mate. They're sick guys as well. 
and their brand is mate the quality of their clothing is unreal like everything i've owned from them i've had maybe like seven eight pieces everything is top quality like top quality so it, and the price i mean it's not like cheap cheap but it's not super expensive either it's like a really good middle ground quality is unreal doing a 50 percent sale right now so on your way home, mate, get on the website. Have, have, you, got, have you got an affiliate code? No, I wish I did. <laughs> mate, 50% off. No need, you, you don't need a promo code, mate. That's true. I'm Indian, I've got to ask. <laughs> get that extra 5%. Get free shipping at least. <laughs> but yeah, man, sick brands. All right, so here's what I wanted to ask you. Um, I was just making, my fo- making sure my phone was on airplane mode. Um, here's what I wanted to ask you. Skateboarding. Oof. Um, this is one of the reasons why I just wanted to, um, I wanted more people to know about what you were doing because people start stuff and then they give up all the time. You you brought up the example of going to the gym, right? Um, maybe I'm a weirdo. I don't know. Okay. I do know the answer that I am, but I don't find it hard to stick with something when I'm doing it. I find it hard to get started, Mm. but with you, it was like. Oh, yeah, I can't kickflip, I can't ollie, I can't do stuff right now, but I just keep showing everyone. Not You weren't trying to do it, like, hey, look at me, I'm trying. There was, like, a great life coaching example of, like, yeah, you're not going to be good in the beginning. You just keep going and you get better. And I told so many people about what you were doing because I was so inspired myself. I was like, he started this new thing. You, I know you liked skateboarding before, but it wasn't really, like... Um, a progression type thing you're yeah. trying to do. Yeah. So what what brought all of this on? Um, do you know, I just thought completely randomly we should have done an Instagram live where we could have just popped our phones up and I've got no battery, but and we could have taken questions while we're doing it. Oh, that's a good. You know what? Fuck it. We did it next time. Yeah, that's a good idea. I've, been, I've literally only got like fifteen percent. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, the skateboarding the skateboarding thing started like. How did that start? So, oh, so here's how it started. So when I was younger, I loved to play the Tony Hawk games. I loved Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, PlayStation 2 vibes. I used to love it when you could unlock Spider-Man. Do you remember you could unlock Spider-Man as a character and he'd mm. do that sick trick where he'd go up the ramp, he'd flick his board in, yeah, and then he'd like bring it back with a web and then like go back down on it. I used to love that shit. Um, so I, always, I was always interested in skateboarding. And I always liked the culture around it, like the clothing around it, the, all of that sort of stuff that came as part of the package of skateboarding. But I just never skated because I didn't, I didn't have any friends that were interested in skateboarding. I didn't know anyone who skateboarded. Like we, we all, if we went out, we'd go out on our bikes or wherever, we'd play football. Like no one skated. So I didn't, I didn't really ever get around to doing it. Or other side of that is I never really put myself out there to push myself to do the thing that I wanted to do. So roll, roll forward to like uh, 2019, I went traveling in Japan and I was there with two mates. And while we was there, we met this girl from, from Montreal, Canada called Flora. And she was really cool, super sick. Like we used to, we, hang, we hung out of her like for a few days. And then when, when I left and she stayed in Japan, we stayed in contact and blah, blah, blah. And she was a skater. So she was like, like showing me all the stuff that she was like, skateboarding videos that were in Montreal and stuff and I was like oh that looks sick and and something just told me like go and visit Montreal because like A I've heard it's a sick city and B it'd be sick to just like go and hang out there with someone who lives there who's from there and can show you around properly and we, we went, when I went we ended up spending a lot of time in the skate parks even though I couldn't skate so I'd be sat there like watching everyone skate and then having conversations with people 
And everyone was just super chill. Everyone was like, even though I wasn't skating, people were just like, come and sit next to me, have a chat. Like, oh, like, we doing? Like, what's going on? Oh, you're from London? Like, sick. Like, we'll bring you to Montreal. Like, all this, right? And I was like, bro, this is just mad sick. Because, like, people just come here. And some people were, like, skating hard. That's what they didn't get off their skateboard. And other people would, like, go and do something for, like, a minute. And then they'd come back and they'd sit and they'd have a beer and they'd chat for another hour. And then they'd do, like, one other thing. Like, it was, like, a proper social thing. And I was like, this is sick, you know? And I thought, do you know what? I'd love to come back here having learned how to skate mm-hmm. so that I can actually, like, skate here with some of these people. So when I got back to London, this was, this was like, May 2019. When I got back to London, I had, <laughs> in my flat, I had a skateboard that was, um, I bought it as, like, a, an art piece for my flat. So it was just in the corner because it had a sick artwork on the deck. And I was looking at it and I was like, I'm going to take that to the park. So I used to live in Bethnal Green, so I was right near Victoria Park. And there's like a big track that goes the whole way around the park. So I took it to the park and I just got on it and I just started pushing. And I was like, oh, this is quite fun. Even though like, I didn't know at the time the skateboard was really crap. But I was like, this is really fun. And then and then because I was doing that, I came across this like little corner of the park where there was like a group of older skateboarders like in their 30s plus where they kind of meet randomly in the evenings. Like people would just know to go there. So I started like hovering around there a bit, getting chatting to people and then, like, one guy, there was this Italian dude, he started, like, teaching me, like, how to ollie. I was, like, I was telling him, like, oh, I'm not really comfortable on the board. I'm just, like, getting used to pushing around and stuff. Like, I want to start learning how to ollie. And he was, like, showing me how, what to do and how to do it. And I think after, like, six, seven attempts, like, I did my first proper ollie. And he was, like, oh, my God, man, that's so quick. Like, you've picked that up so quick. Like, you've just ollie. Do you know that? And I was, like, is that is that good? Yeah. <laughs> He was like, mate, it's unbelievable. Most people, it takes them ages to, like, get, like, half an inch off the ground with an ollie. Like, you just done it in, like, less than 10 attempts. I was like, okay. And so, and then I just got, like, I got, I got really into the idea of, like, pushing myself. Like, at the time, I was, like, 31. So it was, like, it's not easy to learn skateboarding when you're 31, when you've never done it before. Like, pushing around on a skateboard, learning how to ollie, trying to get up a curb, down a curb trying to like spin the board under your feet and I'm not I'm not good like I can only do like three or four tricks like and not even do them well but I was just I just loved it I was like and I wanted to go out and practice all the time and one of the things I was doing to keep myself accountable was to do like a skate diary on my insta stories every time I went to the park I'd like put my phone up against my water bottle and I just put it on record and I just record myself practicing whatever it was ollies or going up the ramps or doing turns or um, or shoves, which is where you like you spin the board 180 under your feet, so you kind of like jump up, spin the board 180, and then land on it again. And I was just like, "This is sick!" And then the more that I was posting it, people were loving it. Even people who don't skate, people who don't, yeah, like you, that don't care about skateboarding, were like, "Oh, this is sick!" Like, keep it going. And it was just like this mad thing that just kept happening. And I just, and I just really fucking genuinely enjoy it. Like, I just love going, and I don't do it that much, in, like as much as I'd want to. But like, I still try and go to the park like maybe once a week, once every two weeks that I push. And just like, and I, there's like a, now that I've moved back to North London, there's like a crew of like dads. We've got like a WhatsApp, I'm not a dad, but like everyone else is a dad. There's like a WhatsApp group of like elderly skateboarders. And we like, there's like 20 something of us. And it's like people always putting in that, oh, who wants a Thursday night session? Or like tonight, a few people are going down to um, Bay 66 in, in West London under the bridge like the old man night like this is just cool there's, there's such a sick like um social thing around skating which just makes it so much fun because even if you're crap like and i'm like probably the worst skater out of the group i can still have a good time because i can go and chat to people and hang out i can try my thing stick to my corner practice my little crappy tricks 
and still have a good time. And yeah, man, that's 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 my skate story, man. <laughs> that would make a great Instagram clip if someone was uh, was about that life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's something else I want to ask you. Music reviews. Oh, yeah. in the game away. I'll let, I'll, you've reviewed music for a long time. Yeah. And you've always had a certain ear for it. Um, what... What do you what do you think you're seeing? And I don't mean this in like a rude way, but like traditional album reviews are like, yes, sonically it sounds like this. Yes, the themes are like this. Oh, the stories they're telling are like this. You're coming at it differently. I remember when you were telling me about the Drake album, mm. and you told me about one. Um, you put a voice note in our group chat. Um, I I've, I feel like I've got an answer for this, but I want to know for you, like, what do you think you're taking differently from, let's say, that Drake album that other people you haven't heard it being talked about that way? I guess because I'm so into, I've always been so into music. Like as you know, I had a blog that me and my best mate started in like 2010, and we kept it up for like eight nine years. We did club nights, we reviewed albums, we interviewed artists. Off of the back of that, I started working at BBC Radio 1 Extra, doing social media, like, again, interviewing artists, making content, like, being super into music, into the scene, and well-respected in the scene as well. And I've just always been into it. And over the last, like, few years, I've kind of lost my... I wouldn't say I've lost my interest in music, but it just kind of went on a back burner for me because I've just got even more into, like, my self-development and, and all the stuff and skateboarding, <laughs> ironically, and stuff like that, and travel. And... This year, there's been a lot of good music that's been released because of obviously everyone had nothing to do last year, so they just made music, right? So it's been like album upon album being released. And I think like when when I've been listening to albums these days, yeah, okay, I'm enjoying it for the sonics and for the the cadence of the artist and the this and the that. But I'm also like applying a self development lens to the albums that I'm listening to. So like with the Drake album, for example. What I said, what I, I, I'll summarize it because I think it was quite a long voice note. But what I basically said in the voice note was that I liked the new album, Certified Lover Boy, and I compared it to one of his previous albums. Nothing was the same because it kind of builds musically in very similar ways. The sounds of some of the tracks are very similar, the vibes very similar. And I was like, but Drake never makes a 10 out of 10 album. Like, he hasn't got a 10 out of 10 album. And if anyone wants to say that he has, they're lying. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> like, because it's, it's like everyone knows he hasn't he he hasn't got a classic album. He hasn't got a blueprint. He hasn't got a uh, to pimp the butterfly. Um, what's the hell is it called? Pimp a butterfly. Pimp a butterfly. Do you know what I mean? He hasn't. Uh, um, what's the Kanye one? Dark Twisted Fantasy. He hasn't got an album like that. He's just got like solid seven and seven seven point five eight eight point five albums, right? And I was like, but that's not a bad thing. Because I don't think Drake's trying to make a 10 out of 10 album. I don't think Drake's trying to make a masterpiece. He's not trying to make an album for people to be like, oh, this is the greatest album ever existed in. In like, He makes an album because he loves music and he loves putting good music in the world. And he's always experimenting. He's always playing with different ideas, different sounds, different tones, different cadences, different styles of rap, different flows. And he just enjoys to put good stuff out into the world. And if that compiles into an album, sick. If it's a if it's a good album to sick album, wicked. If it's not a ten out of ten, I'm sure he's not that bothered because he probably still sells the most albums out of anyone anyway. But the point of it is, he makes music that he enjoys making to put good music out into the world. Same with Kanye. Kanye always puts out sick music. Probably doesn't always get the ratings it gets when it gets released, but 
over the years, over time, a lot of the music and a lot of the tunes that both of them put out stand the test of time because they're good music. It's just straight facts. Good music, good tunes stand the test of time. And this goes for us as people, and this is where the self-development comes into it. When you continually put good things out into the world, those good things stand the test of time. And when you're continually doing that in your life, those little things that you're putting out into the world build up and the picture of your life starts to, 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 to turn out differently. It starts to become a different picture to what your default future would have looked like, what, like what we were saying earlier. And when you build that picture up with all of these little good things that you're putting out here, putting out there, putting out there, like they stand the test of time. And that's what creates more goodness in other people. So when Drake releases good music, he's doing it to, to put more good music into the world for people to enjoy. When you're doing good things in the world, you're doing them to put more goodness, to put more love, to put more compassion into the world. And then you receive that back in many other ways. And that's what I got from that album. And that's not because of any, any of the tracks specifically, but that was just by me thinking, like, oh, Drake never really makes a 10 out of 10 album. I wonder why that is. And then that clicked in my head that was like, oh, he maybe he's not trying to make a 10 out of 10 album. Maybe he's just trying to put good music in the world. And if it's a 10 out of 10, cool. If it's a 7 out of 10, cool. I'm sure he's not that bothered. But he just wants to continually put good music in the world because he wants to do a good thing. And it should be the same for us as people. We should continue to want to do good things in the world and put those good things out in the world because we want to be good people and we want to influence the world in a good way. I mean, like, and also I take from it um, the five key words when it comes to being an artist or a creator. Done is better than perfect. Mm. How about that? Because a lot of people get hung up on it's not a 10 out of 10 yet. And they're making it mean something about them. But the, the it, it doesn't have to be that way. A lot of people stifle their creativity. A lot of people will, like... Um, not put anything out and fuck their careers up. Yeah, and th and this is why I don't really mess with Kendrick. Like I like his music and I think he's sick. There's no question of you know that he's a great artist, but I don't mess with him because he doesn't put enough music out. Like, I'm not bothered to be waiting four years to hear your next track. Like, <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I'm not that much of a fan to care. And that's just me personally. But that's his way of doing things. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong compared to the way other artists do it. But. He, he's make, I feel like he makes the music about him. He wants to make the perfect track. He wants to make it so unique and specific, and he wants to get the details down to a T and piece together the, the perfect, you know, to pimp a butterfly album and, you know, Good Kid, Mad City and all this sort of stuff, right? But sometimes you just put good music out there, innit? Like, it's, no one cares if you put your demos out and they still sound good. Like, no one's going to be like, oh, no, but that's not... Yeah, yeah. A good example of this for me is um, Abracadabra. From uh, in London, because um, every a lot of people say he's catting pop smoke sound. Oh, he's trying to be like him. If you look at his discography, if you look at his catalog, yeah, he's been sound. He's been sounding like that for a long time it, before pop smoke was popular, and it's quite interesting because um, I look at like, the people who are putting stuff out consistently. Remember, like Skepta, yep. Bold Deep, Wiley. Um, their bro, you look at their discographies. Is is you can't fit them all on this piece of paper on like that covers the table. Yeah, you, there's so many tracks. Like there's this one. Um, uh, Wiley has this. Uh, I can't remember what album is. I think it's like Esky Beats or Esky Boy. Um, the album. Mm. I think it's Esky Boy the album. And there's about 18 tracks on there. Yeah. 
And then six months later, he comes out with volume two. And there's like another 10 tracks on it. It just yeah. kept banging it out. And now he doesn't really make that much music compared to back in the day. But like you said, the, the music stands the test of time. I can go back and listen to So Amazing. Do you remember that Wiley track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Amazing. Uh, so Amazing. I come through blazing, taser on taser. I love that song. And it's from 2004. Yeah. I could still bang that. I still listened to it in the gym the other day, actually. Yeah. But this is it, right? And the same, the same thing goes for like... Um, Oh, who just came to mind for me? Getz, right? Mm. Getz was a sick example. Getz put out bare freestyles and bare music back in the day when, like, Grime was fully underground. Mm. And he was known as being, like, one of the best lyricists. And he continued putting music out even during that period between, like, 2005 to 2014 where Grime was dead, right? He kept putting music out. He kept making music that was from the essence of Grime. And no one cared about him. No one cared because no one was really listening to Grime like that on a big scale. Like there was, he still had fans. There were still Grime fans, like including myself. He was still. I think he released um, Re- Rebel Without a Cause. Was that the album he put? I think that was the album he put out around 2014-15. And then around that 2015 mark, when Stormzy started getting popular, Skepta started getting popular, and Grime started becoming like this big deal again. And then you know, obviously in turn, like Drill and everything else that's followed from that, like. Getz has come back into the picture again because people are like, oh, this is Getz. Like, he's a legend. He still makes sick music. Like, but he wasn't caring about that when people were saying that Grime was dead. He was just putting out good music because he wanted to keep putting out good music in the world. And I see I see that the, the music that artists like that are putting out isn't just music. It's energy. It's vibes. It's, it's um, you know, you call it whatever you want, spirit. Like, they're putting something good out into the world, right? But it takes the form of music. Right and okay, some people could debate that because of the lyrics or whatever. But in the end, people still enjoy the music, right? So they're still putting something good into the world. I think that's a really good example of um, Getz is not living in the thought-created world of oh, Grimes dead because yeah. people say it is. He's living in his real world where he really enjoys creating this kind of music and he's just going for it. Exactly. And this is a really funny distinction to draw because this kills a lot of people's careers. Like they could have had a sick career. I just made, I talked about Dave Chappelle the other day. A lot of people will say, oh, I've been cancelled. So I can't say anything. Oh, my God. Like, it doesn't actually mean anything. And I love what, what you're getting at. Um, you know that when you're saying people putting out energy. So I know a lot of producers, and I make music myself, but not to like any professional scale. I just like it. Just, I like making noise. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> And um, someone said to me, like, oh, this is terrible. I was like, hold on a second. This is someone's therapy. Yeah, like, I, I've lo- I like grunge music. I like very heavy death metal. I can listen to Slipknot, Devil Driver, Wiley, Rihanna, all in the same five minutes. I, I don't mind it. And I like to look at, like, um, the frequencies inside the music. It's like therapy to a lot of people. So, like, you go to a drum and bass night, right? You're not going to see people looking very pretty and all dressed up and glammed up. You're going to see people like me rolling in shorts and T-shirt and dancing like their pants are on fire. <laughs> because it, I'm genuine, it's a very aggressive sound, right? Like, proper drum and bass, not the new shit that we've got. But, like, Jungle, for example, it can be a very dark and aggressive sound. But you go to these places and um, the people are vibing to it. It's not like, you know, people are trying to hurt each other. Yeah, you might get a little bit of that anywhere you go. But um, I really see that, like, whatever you're putting out into the world, someone wants it. 
um, you know, I didn't think death metal was that popular. And I asked one of my friends recently, hey, have you heard the new Trivium album? He goes, oh, my God, such a... I didn't realise you into that. I was like, yeah, man, I heard it recently. It's actually pretty sick. And um, I think there's there's a lot to be said about... If you doubt your content, you're being selfish. Mm. Before you put something out into the world, if you're like, oh, I don't know who's going to want it, stop being selfish. Yeah. Man, do you know what? And, that, and, th- and this is why this is why I rate what you put out because you, you'll put out a video about Mortal Kombat. You'll put out a video about Yu-Gi-Oh. You don't care who else is into that because, firstly, you want to make it because you relate to it. And secondly, you'll find a way for it to relate to someone else. Do you know what I mean? But that's sick because, like, who's to say that a video about Mortal Kombat can't relate to a single mum who's never heard of Mortal Kombat before? Why not? Like, you can make it relate to them if they look at it through a certain lens, right? And th- and that's all it is sometimes. It's like, like not being selfish in what you're putting out. And sometimes it can be, it can also be a detriment, right? Because you're constantly like thinking, oh, I have to put something out, I have to put something out, I have to put something out. But we were having a conversation with, um, your coach and the work that I've been doing with him as well yesterday, Ankush, and he was saying like, I just put out a podcast when I want to put out a podcast or put out a YouTube video when I want to put it out. I don't really stick to a schedule. I just, when I want to make one, I make one and I put it out. There's no like, because it feels right for me. And I think sometimes you can get caught in the trap of, and I've been there, like trying to keep up with this imaginary standard that you've set of like, need to put something out once a week i need to do this thing on a monday and this thing on a wednesday and put this thing out on a sunday and like that's all bullshit like who says like just if you want to make something and put it out and it feels right to you you don't need someone else to tell you oh no you need to do it three times a week or you need to do it twice a day at 11 o'clock because that's a good time for the algorithm and like just put it out like because someone was going to find it someone's going to relate to it and if not you can point people to it and tell them how it's going to relate to them if they listen to it in a certain way and that's that's kind of what I've really enjoyed doing with my content over the last like three, four months is making the content that I want to make from, from like the stuff that I'm learning and then helping people see how that content can be helpful for them as well without me having to tell them like, this is, this is the things exactly. It's Mm -hmm. like, if you watch it like this, if you, if you can, you know, see, be open to it, like this is what you could get from it. And then, asking them to see like okay watch it and then let me know what you get from it and people always find different things to what i've i've made in it i was talking to shaka the the artist the other yesterday actually on my podcast recording episode with him and he he asked me what did i get from his album because he was like i know what i i I know what i got from it because i made the album he's like what did you get from it like listening to it i'd be interested to hear and i told him i was like i saw it as a journey of like trying to understand your own masculinity within yourself because the album's called roads um Road trip, road trip to, to Venus. Venus and I was like this is sick because to me there's the whole Mars Venus male female thing right whether that's right or wrong who cares right but that's the purpose of it right and he's saying he's going from Mars to Venus and he's not I, I didn't see it in, in his the way that he made the album was like he's going to Venus like, and wanting to experience women and not not just in that way just like in general right the world of women but I saw it as you're taking yourself from the place of Mars and putting yourself in a place where you're not comfortable from a masculine point of view, a masculinity point of view, and wanting to learn about those more feminine sides of your masculinity. Like, that's what I took from the album. And he was like, oh, damn, I didn't really (laughs) really think about that. And I was like, well, that just goes to show, innit? Like, it's open for interpretation, but you can always take something from it. 
And this is and this goes back to the original point, why I want to start doing these reviews. Or why I will start doing them is because I know that I'm going to see things in these albums, films, TV shows, whatever, that other people aren't seeing because they're not me. Mm. And other people are going to see things that I'm not going to see because I'm not them. But I want to share the things that I'm learning from it because I'm, I'm seeing and taking really powerful learnings from these things. And who am I to stop myself putting those learnings out into the world? <laughs> you know, it's not about me. It's about just sharing this stuff. Someone will find it useful. Yeah, man. I think there's um there's a really great interview with um the guy who made something. I can't remember where it was. He made something. I think it was either a comic book or a movie. He made it. And um someone, he's doing it like a panel, right? And he was telling this story. He was on the panel and someone stood up and asked a question. He's like, yeah, yeah, in the front, whatever. And the guy said, um, was it intentional? Did you put this story arc in here intentionally to challenge these ideas? <laughs> he sat there. He's like, I've got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> then he's like, they're like, wait, what? You didn't mean to challenge the, I think it was a patriarchy or something like that, like a hierarchical structure of society. He goes, I was just trying to tell a story. I just yeah. thought it'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I think sharing stories has a very curative healing aspect to it because I identify with the characters in Mortal Kombat, as you can see on my beautiful bottle over here, and, and the T-shirt. Right, look, you know what? I'll give you a real-life, real quick example of this, yeah? Goro, yeah, on, the, on, the, on this side of the T-shirt, the guy with four arms, yeah? Um, it's quite unrelatable. I don't have four arms. I, I don't, I'm not the Mortal Kombat You do have champion. a ponytail, though. Yeah, I think it's a lot prettier than that. <laughs> I, I can't really relate to him as a person, right? But what I take from Goro's story is about honor. It's all about honor because he's so ashamed of himself for losing a fight that he hides away in a cave for years and years and years and after being the reigning Mortal Kombat champion for over 500 years. Now, that's all about ego. Uh, you know, you're coming at the world from I've got this um, idea and story of myself. And now that that's been shattered, oh, I don't know who I am without these victories. I'm going to just fuck off into this cave. I think all of us have experienced that at some point. Mm. I don't know who hasn't. And you can't, like, most people won't look at this four-armed monster who rips people's <laughs> arms off and their heads. They won't look, <laughs> they, they won't take that. Oh man, I get. I've I've got so much enjoyment and coaching lessons out of this stuff. It's yeah. crazy. Tell me, what, why do you like Dragon Ball Z? Oh, okay. oh Jay, so here, here's the thing, right? I'll come back to that question in a second, right? So last week I had a conversation with this guy who makes this YouTube channel called Forgotten Relics, and he makes this. Uh, he makes videos based on the animation styles of Dragon Ball Z and he makes all these different comparisons and he talks about how, you know, this certain artist does it differently to this certain artist and how they make the episodes and why, you know, over time the characters' features and the look and the, the, the way that they've drawn them has changed. It's like, it's, like, it's sick, yeah? I had a conversation with him and kind of going on to what you were saying before, I was like, I was like, why do you make this stuff? And he was like, oh, I just really love animation. I really love Dragon Ball Z. And I was like... Oh, I thought it's because like you want to make your own like anime one day, and you're using this to like create a platform so that when you start making your anime, you can start doing like a behind the scenes vlog of like you making the anime, and then when it's ready, you can like release like a two minute thing on your channel, and you're gonna have bare people watching it because you built up an audience. He was like, "What? 
<laughs> so I never thought of that. I was like, bro, you should do that. That's a sick idea. I was like, and then you can make like each little vlog, you can make it into like mini TikToks. And I was just like, get, like spitting all this stuff because I was coming from the place of like, I can't do that. Because I don't know anything about animation. I didn't even notice that like from episode to episode, sometimes the characters in Dragon Ball Z look very different. I never noticed it until I come across his channel and then I started clocking it. So I can't make that stuff. But I can I can have an idea on what you can do with that. Like, who am I to hold on to that? I'm going to just tell you. Like, and if you want to take it on as a inspiration to go and do your own thing with it and remix it and do it in your own way, cool, do it. But, like, I'm not going to hold back on it. And that comes back to that thing of, like, why hold back on, on stuff that you just feel like you need to share sometimes, in, in no, especially in a creative space? So, yeah, that was an interesting conversation. <laughs> Powerful, man. Yeah. And, you know, who are you to hold on to these ideas? It's like, um, it's quite selfish of us to keep our enthusiasm for other people's stuff to ourselves. That's why that, I think that's one of the reasons why um, I get off the phone with random people I've never met before. And they, they say to me, like, I've never felt so motivated in my life. I, wanna, I feel like I need to go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's talk about Dragon Ball Z. Because um, like, it's not my favorite anime. My favorite anime is Naruto. Yeah, 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 all right. I'm getting to it. I know, I know. Got to finish Dragon Ball Super first. Calm okay, down. Oh, oh, just, let's not even get into that. Naruto is at least fourteen thousand minutes of television, so you got time, all right? Whatever. But talk to me about Dragon Ball Z. Like, I talk, I know the general story arcs. There's Cell, Frieza, Saiyans, Raditz. You know, I, I know roughly what's what's going on. I've watched it a long time ago. Didn't really speak that deeply to me, mm. except for Piccolo. And I'll tell you a bit about that later. But, yeah, tell me tell me why you like Dragon Ball Z. Uh, well, first of all, the reason I got into it in the first place, because when I was, like, 14, 15, maybe even younger, I used to come home from school, put on Cartoon Network. Remember Cartoon Network back in the day? I can't remember the channel number now. But and it was the thing that was on TV. So I used to sit there and be like, oh. Like, I came across it one day, and I was like, oh, what's this? And there was, like, these people, like, trying to find these golden balls, and they found them, and then this dragon came out of them. And I was like, oh damn what's this and then all of a sudden they're fighting some guy on some next planet and it's like sick right and i was just really into it as a kid and i got into the storylines and the martial arts and all of this stuff that was going on in the stories and as i've got older i've always i've always related to it it's always been my my little like guilty pleasure of like i've just always like wanted i've always like related stuff back to dragon ball z like even though i I can't really remember watching the full thing at all and I can only remember parts of it I just always related to it it was like this thing that I was always really interested in so recently I was like oh I'm gonna start watching Dragon Ball Z again like, I'm gonna watch it from I didn't watch it from the beginning to be fair I watched it from the beginning of the Cell Saga because I can remember the Freezer Saga which is like the Freezer Saga the Cell Saga the Boo Saga the the best ones like but they're, they're, that's what made the show popular basically mm-hmm. So I started watching the Cell Saga again because I couldn't remember really how it ended and how that rolled into the Boo Saga, blah, blah. Anyway, so I started watching it and I was like, this is actually sick because there's so many sick learnings in this program, right? So I'll give, you, I'll give you three different examples from three different characters, right? So first of all, you've got Goku. Goku is the main guy when it comes to Dragon Ball. Main, he's the main protagonist, right? He's a Saiyan. Saiyans are an alien race from the planet Vegeta who are a warrior race and basically... They go around taking over other planets and destroying them. Not Goku. Because Goku, when he was a child, he... I can't remember how he came to Earth. He came to Earth in a little spaceship, but he bumped his head when he landed. And he forgot <laughs> that he was a Saiyan. And that his whole purpose of being, according to the Saiyan race, was 
destroy planets and take them over. So he grew up being this really like nice, fun-loving guy with all of these sick powers. He was like stronger than everyone, quicker than everyone. He could fly, like all of this stuff. And as his as his story progresses, like people keep coming to Earth to try and fight Goku and and. And well, first of all, it was the Saiyans that come, like Vegeta and, and Raditz and whatever, come to Earth to try and destroy Goku because they're like, he's this Saiyan who's not being a Saiyan. We need to get rid of him because he's destroying the name of what it is to be a Saiyan. Doesn't even wear our, our armor or whatever. And um, the sick thing about Goku yeah, is that he always rises to the challenge. Like when he was a kid, he didn't know what he was or how good he was at fighting or that he could fly or that he had all these powers that he could like shoot energy out of his hands and stuff and he basically just every time there's a challenge and someone comes to try and challenge him or destroy him or destroy earth he rises to the challenge he keeps meeting the level of the person who's coming to him so first it's vegeta and Raditz, and then no first it's piccolo isn't it and then it's vegeta and Raditz, and then it's freezer and then it's cell and then it's boo and then it's uh, Beerus and then it's and it, it goes on and on and every time Goku raises his level to meet them at their standard and eventually goes beyond the level that they're at to de- not destroy them to defeat them right and this is sick because we do this in our own life without realizing it we do it in a lot of areas in our life you start to learn to drive you don't know how to drive you have to raise your level in order to learn how to balance the pedals you need to raise your level in order to be aware on the road you need to raise your level in order to pass your theory test you need to raise your level in order to pass your driving test like we do it in so many different areas we raise our game in relationships when we want relationships to work we raise our we don't uh, standards isn't the right word but we raise our level of what we're bringing to a relationship and the communication that we bring to a relationship in order to get the most out of the relationship and this is what i see in goku he's someone who's always willing to raise his level he never shies away from it he never goes oh no do you know what freezer's too strong for me i'm not going to fight this one he's like bring it on like i'm going to try and beat you and if i don't cool but i'm going to try and because he's willing to do that and he's not willing to put a limit on his potential, he always smashes through what he probably thinks his potential is. Like there's the whole thing in the Freezer saga where he becomes a Super Saiyan for the first time, which is like this legendary thing in the same race where you transform and your power increases like 10 times and your hair goes gold. And it's like something no one's ever seen for like thousands of years. But Goku manages to do it because he's willing to put himself on the line to raise his level in order to do what he needs to do. And that's like, if there's not a life lesson in that, I don't know what is, right? <laughs> and then, so that's one example, right? Mm. I, I'll give you the second one. I won't give you the third one because I'll let you do Piccolo as the third one. Ooh. And the, the, yeah, because you said it first. <laughs> the second one is Gotenks, right? So when it comes to the Boo saga, years have passed by. And basically, Goku has a young child, his youngest son called Goten, who's, I think, supposed to be like seven or eight in the in the program and vegeta who is goku's sworn enemy he's an he's another saiyan he's the prince of the same race he comes to earth to destroy goku but over time he he ends up being not so bad and he becomes a bit softer and a bit nicer and they kind of become i say kind of because they don't really become friends they kind of become friends anyway he has a son on earth called trunks and what happens is in the boo saga um goku died before that trying to fight cell he actually dies and he goes to the other world and while he's in the other world he um 
he meets all of these otherworldly people who teach him all of these new things. And there's a certain race of people, I can't remember what they're called, they teach him this thing called the fusion dance. And the fusion dance allows two people to come together and share one body and uh, an energy and become like a new entity. So during the Buu Saga, Goku's allowed to return to Earth for 24 hours to help with the situation because he's the best fighter the Earth has ever had. They need his help. But when his time starts running out, he realizes he needs to do something that he he can't be there to help. So he needs to do something about it. And what he decides to do is he decides to teach Goten and Trunks the fusion dance because they're both the same sort of age, similar height, similar power level, which meets the criteria of being able to do the fusion dance together because you need to be very, very similarly matched. So he teaches them how to do it. And when they do it, they come together and they create this character called Gotenks, who becomes an amalgamation of Goten and Trunks. He takes both of their characteristics. He looks like a mixture of both of them. And he, he becomes one person, but he is two people on the inside. And there's only a limit of time that they, they can stay as Gotenks, things like half an hour. And um, basically, Goten is like a really fun-loving, like innocent child. And Trunks is like innocent and playful, but also a little bit arrogant. And basically, when, when they come together to become Gotenks, he's got both of their, their traits. So he's got, like, this really fun, playful side to him where he's, like, making up all these stupid new, new like, moves and like, doing stuff that people haven't seen before. But at the same time, he thinks he's a lot stronger and a lot better than what he is because he's got the, the arrogance of Trunks. And what happens is he allows his arrogance to take over him and he goes out on his own to try and fight Boo without doing any training or practicing in his new body. And Boo basically whoops his ass and like smashes him up and they split back into Goten and Trunks. Reason I use that as an example is because I see that as relationships, right? If you come into a relationship, you're fusing together with one person to become one person, one entity, one soul, one shared energy, whether that's a friendship, whether that's um, a personal relationship, whether that's your family, whether that's with a client, whether whatever that is, right? You're coming together to share energy, to share space, to share, you know, to become one in a way. If you allow yourself to bring too much of you to the situation, it's going to fuck up what you're doing like it did with Trunks. Trunks allowed his side of his arrogance to, to take over the Gotenks situation. So their arrogance fucked them up because they got beaten up by Boo and they ended up then like just splitting and like being all like messed up from it. And if you allow the same thing to happen in a relationship with anyone, with a client, with a with a partner, with a family member, whatever, you, it's going to do the same thing. It's going to mess up your situation because you're allowing too much of your own ideas and concepts and and perspectives on the world to take over the situation. Whereas you need to see it as a it's not a me and you. It's an us situation. And when you see things as an us situation, you see it as a team, things should work a lot more seamlessly. It's like if you if you are into any sort of team sport like football, if you just put 11 people out on the pitch and just said, yeah, go and do your thing, they're probably going to get beaten every week. You have to work as 11 individual people working as one team in order to create the result that you want. And it's the same thing with relationships. You need to be able to like come together as one in order to get the best out of the situation that you have in front of you. And if you're not able to do that, that's why a lot of relationships break down. Wow. And that's just two characters. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, holy shit. All right, I'll, I'll try and follow that difficult for, to follow act. Fuck me. Um, so the the reason I love J Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z, it's like a redemption arc to me. You know, um, I was a very dysfunctional person. I was never violent, 
but I wanted to fuck shit up all the time. I was just like, I had a lot of evil inside me. I think all of us do, but I was very much in touch with it for a long time. And it's like Piccolo is a demon, right? He comes from the planet Namek, which is like um, far away place. And it's actually quite peaceful when you, yeah. when they go there. But why is he such a dick? I and don't know. That's the same <laughs> as me. I come from a good home. Why am I such a dick? You know, when people meet my parents. They're expecting my parents to be like really different. Mm. They're expecting them to be like, I don't know, but I've heard it before. Like, Satran, when I met your parents, I thought they were like, they weren't your parents. Oh, why? And they go, uh, someone said to me, like, yeah, it's weird that you come from that. I'm like, okay, it's kind of the same with Piccolo. He's come from this beautiful, peaceful green planet, and he's just a dick. <laughs> he wants to kill people. Uh, I don't know if I... Uh, yes, I have wanted to kill people in the past, and I didn't do anything about it. Um, Piccolo's redemption arc, it's like it took him getting humbled by Goku to to understand or like what to to have an appropriate estimation of oneself self-esteem right piccolo's self-esteem is um dependent on how strong he is uh, he can't really handle it that goku beat him but he chooses to put that to the side for a minute and he actually helps out raising gohan which mm. i thought was pretty powerful helps him to um trains him right yeah raise his first trainer Raising him to um, giving him values of like, hey, stop crying all the time. You know, it's not it's not something that I want to push on people. Crying's good for us. I do all the time. <laughs> I do all the fucking time. Um, but what I love what Piccolo does. So he raising him is like giving him values, training him to give him the strength. Put those two things together in Goku's absence, and that's why Gohan's able to like put up a fight against Cell. But look at the redemption arc there. He started off with like, I'm going to destroy you lot. And he's gone all the way over to you. I'm going to help you fight Cell. And also, he doesn't have little dick syndrome about it, right? <laughs> like, the kid is stronger than him. And instead of being like, oh, that means something about me, he's like, oh, I'll help him get stronger. That's what I feel has happened to me. I identify so much with Piccolo because it's like, I was like him in the beginning. I just wanted to fucking destroy everyone. And I've gone all the way over to, like, recognizing other people's strengths and wanting to build them up instead of destroy everything and um man it's like if i can have that redemption arc in my own life over the course of like 29 20 25 years or so um and now like i'm really walking that path for the last four five six years um what's possible for other people we see this all the time right like people who spend a lot of time in prison and then they come out like my mentor wes (laughs) (laughs) wes if you're watching this hi i know you're not watching this um my mentor Wes is just one of the most inspirational people I, I've ever met in my life. The 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 way he his redemption arc is basically like Piccolo as well, and the way he talks, you know, you can tell he's dear. some of the stories he tells about stabbing the shit out of people in prison. He's not proud of it. I'm sure if we asked Piccolo when he's like talking, to, you know, raising Gohan and training him and stuff, I'm sure he wouldn't be proud of like, yeah, I wanted to kill everyone before. He wouldn't. We wouldn't be proud of it, would he? It's the same as Wes, you know, like he's not going to, he's not going to be ashamed of his actions in the sense that like, he's trying to ignore them. He's like, no, I did that. And I needed to do that to be able to be here with you. So I think redemption arcs are super powerful. We see this in um, Game of Thrones as well with the Hound, right? The Hound is just, he's happy to kill people. Not happy, but like, he's just used to it. It's not really a big deal to him. Then he meets those religious people and he tries, he's trying to be a better man. And then he comes across the brotherhood and he has to fight with them. He's trying to be better. 
and what Piccolo's arc and the Hound and my mentor West and all these people who have had mass mad redemption arcs, myself too, is when you're trying to be better, you'll be even more tested than when you were trying to be bad. Mm. And it's hard, man. It, well, excuse me. It can be hard. It's not hard anymore. Like, I get invitations to be a dick to people all the time. I get invitations to do stuff that I used to do all the time. I don't need to do it. So how, how then do you stop yourself from getting dragged back into that past self? Like like Piccolo, how, like he, he obviously manages to stop himself getting dragged back into being evil Piccolo. But th- here's the reason why. It's love. Love is way more powerful than, than fear, right? You got two, four, that, this sleeve on my arm, the, the, the theme is, um, is like war, right? There's two themes in my life that I think are themes for everyone, love and war. When you've got love, you will fight for it. War is usually fought between love and fear. So for me, like, when I, when I look at what's an invitation to be a dick or, like, to, to destroy something, it might be that someone, in my opinion, has pissed me off. And in my thought-created reality, that's real to me. But in the real world, someone has said something, I don't need to react to it. Or they've done, like, I got lied to <laughs> For like a lot a bit long period of time, yeah. And I was pissed. I was so pissed. And I felt like I even said to that person, I'm gonna fucking destroy you. And I said, You don't have to worry about your safety, you don't have to worry about me being violent, I don't wanna do that, I'm not gonna hurt pay someone to hurt you or anything. I'm just gonna be a headache for you. Every day when you wake up, you look at your phone, you open your emails, you try and run your business, I'm gonna be there. It's like a demon face, yeah. I'm gonna be staring you in the fucking face, you prick. Anyway, uh you know, I I, I said that to them. And um, then I started laughing afterwards. I was like, you know, I just even saying it out loud, I'm getting tired. <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. You you look at how much energy people put into being that way, and they're tired constantly. They never get enough sleep. I was like that. Yeah, I used to sleep 14 hours a day sometimes, and still never get enough sleep. And now I'm in with rolling with love. I can't sleep more than five hours, six hours. It's just, it's hard for me to sleep more than that because I have so much to give. And now look at it's the same with um, if you're trying, let's say you're trying to stop drinking or smoking cigarettes or weed or whatever your thing is that you're wanting not to do. Um, I didn't have sex for like three years. And during that time, I wasn't drinking. Well, I would just stopped drinking alcohol, uh, just stopped partying. Uh, I'd never really had loads of sex before that, but it was like a big deal to me. And um, the only way that I stopped doing those things, pursuing certain activities, was by choosing other stuff that was actually interesting rather than let me focus on not being that way it was uh, let me focus on these things that i'm finding interesting right now and i think that's a way better things like diet right if you're eating a lot of processed stuff and you want to eat start eating more vegetables don't focus on eliminating the processed stuff just all right i'm just gonna eat more broccoli it's got a lot of vitamin c in it by the way yeah, well, and, and and this is the thing. This is kind of like what I was talking to your mum about before. Like she she likes to run, right? She had loads of medals hanging up in your house of like five k's and ten k's, which is sick. I'm like, that is sick. I love that. That's just not me. I don't find running enjoyable, so I'm not going to be a runner because I don't find it enjoyable. Instead, if I want to do something that's good for me and and, and it's going to keep me fit and healthy and active, I'll find something else that I enjoy. I'll maybe play football with my mates once a week, or I'll skateboard or i'll go to the gym regularly like it's about yeah like putting your energy towards the things that you actually find interesting like i find going to the gym and working out and even doing yoga more interesting than running because i get bored when i'm running i find playing football more interesting than running because i get bored when i'm running 
I even think, find cycling more interesting than running. I think community is also a huge aspect of it. Look at Piccolo before when he was evil, he was just on his own, mm. rolling on his Jack Jones. Mm. And um, when he starts rolling with everyone else, it's a lot harder for him to be that way because mm. they're not like that. You know, it's like um, I used to be a very negative person, yeah? And um, I started trying to roll with more positive people. And I said something and they looked at me like, huh? <laughs> like no, no one understood it. And it was like those, uh, they, I didn't get judgment from them. It was like, that's a bit strange. Because uh, a, a negative problem, a negative person has a problem for every solution. And they just weren't used to hearing it. They're like, such an, you're right. I'd never heard that before. I was like, oh, uh, all right then. And it kind of like, it's, it's like a community aspect of um, this is our collective way of thinking. It's benefiting us. It might benefit you too. And my uh, negative way of thinking couldn't really exist in that place. So I had a choice. Do I want to hold on to this thing that I've been for so long? Or do I want to just experiment and like dip my toe in this? Yeah. And yeah, and you know what it is? It's like there's there's two different ways you can experience anything, right? And I'm going to go back to Dragon Ball Z in this, right? I'm going to use Goku and Vegeta as an example, right? They're both Saiyans, both from the same race. They're both amazing warriors. They're both the best fighters out there, pretty much. Vegeta is a very negative, angry dude. Like, all he ever wants to do is be better than Goku. Like, that's all he cares about. He doesn't care who he's fighting. He doesn't care what he's doing. He just wants to be better than Goku. And if he's not better than Goku, he's pissed. And it looks really hard for him to become a better fighter because he makes such a meal of it. Like, oh, that damn Goku. I need to be better. I need to train as hard as possible. I need to do this thing. And I need to, like, go and work out in this room that's 10 times gravity so that it's even harder for me to train. And, like, I need to work my socks off and da 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 right? Goku, on the other hand, is very fun-loving. <laughs> he just loves to fight because he loves to fight. He doesn't care how strong he is. And because he doesn't care, he enjoys the process of training and he enjoys the process of fighting. And therefore, he gets stronger. If I had a choice, if I, if I sat back, right, and someone said to me, okay, you can, you can become a fighter. Not that I want to become a fighter, but you can become a fighter. You can be like Vegeta, and it can be really hard work, and you can be really angry about it, and all you can care about is getting better than the next person, and you're going to train yourself into the ground every day because you want to be better than that person. Or you can be like Goku, and it can be really fun for you and really interesting that you make your training very enjoyable, and therefore you become a really good fighter. Which option do you choose? I know which one I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose the fun one. <laughs> I'm not going to choose the angry, hard work one. I want to choose the fun one. It's still going to be hard work, but it's going to be a lot more fun. And that's how I see anything. It's like there's always two ways you can experience it. You know, maybe not just two, but if we're looking at the the, the duality of it, right, there's there's always two ways you can experience it. You can experience something like Vegeta or you can experience something like Goku. Which one do you want to experience? You're asking me. Blue pill or the red pill? Oh. <laughs> I think uh, love is the most powerful choice, but it's harder to choose. You know, sometimes it can be really hard to choose the love. Like, uh, I'm choosing not to eat meat um, just because I'm choosing more love. I don't want to get into that right now, man. It's just it's a heavy thing. What is your favorite lesson that you've learned over the last 12 months? That anything's only as hard as you make it out to be. One more time, one more time. That anything is only as hard as you make it out to be. Mm. You taught me that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even remember that. 
<laughs> you didn't say it in that way, but that's what I took from what we what you said on one of our calls. Wow. Yeah. Sick. Making stuff hard. That like we choose to make stuff hard. You don't have to choose to make it hard. Goku or Vegeta. Be Goku. Mm. Not not advice, but be Goku. <laughs> my opinion be more goku how's how about that for an ending um all right thanks alex i appreciate you um, dropping the wisdom on us as usual um where where can people get hold of you and what do you have that you want them to check out it's a great question um best places instagram um or tiktok actually at i am alex manzi on both platforms um and if you want to check out any of my stuff just go to any of my pages check out some of my videos see if you fuck with them if you do dm me say yo heard you with Sachin hi and we'll have a conversation about what you liked or if you really want you can go check out my podcast in a moment with Alex Manzi either or yeah and if you didn't like it holler at me because I'd love to argue yeah <laughs> or let me know as well because I'd love to know why you didn't like it <laughs> oh, I just like starting fires oh god I'm not a pyromaniac I, just, I mean theoretical fires I'm not into burning things man that reminds me I've got to do an episode on pyro from X-Men Mm. It's going to be a sick episode. I've got so much to talk about. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Appreciate your listenership and your ear for this for this time that we spent together. And we'll see you in the next episode. Peace. Peace. So there we have it. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I would love to know what you got from the episode. What was the one thing that really hit you, that resonated with you? What's the key learning that you're going to take from this episode? I'd love to hear what that was. To do so, just hit me up on Instagram or TikTok at I am Alex Manzi. As always, you know, my DMs are open. I make these episodes to build conversations with people like you who are listening. I don't just do it to shout into the microphone. I want to use the conversations on this platform to engage in conversation with people who are listening and to talk about the learnings and stuff. So please do um, hit me up and, and let me know what your learnings have been from this one. And if you know someone who you think would really benefit from hearing this episode, then be sure to send them the link or a screenshot because it's so important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this. I started this podcast to help inspire a positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing this episode with someone you know today. And the more that we continue to spread the words of episodes like this and the messages of this podcast, the more the community grows and the more that we're getting to help people. So I'd like to thank Ryan Nile from Pure Creation Media for editing this episode. I'd like to thank Sammy from London Media Lounge for hosting us and letting us film and record in the studio and to Hobgoblin for providing the sick music that you hear. And as always, I want to thank you for listening and spending some time with me today and I'll see you for the next episode.